Hey there, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Today's bonus episode is a real special one, especially if you have a TV or you have cable and you turn on TBS or TNT, you can't escape it. It's a Christmas story. And we interviewed Scotty Schwartz who played Flick, you know, the kid that stuck his tongue to the flagpole in the movie. Man, he had such an amazing career. He's from Jersey. He grew up about 15 minutes from me. So we talk about how he got started in acting, uh, working with Richard Pryor and Jackie Gleason in the film The Toy, some of the other movies you might not know him from or hear heard about, but he has some great stories about them, his time that he worked with the WWF, and he's just a great guy. So ladies and gentlemen, happy holidays from everyone here. Here is Scotty Schwartz. So I know we chatted a little bit the other day, but for people that are listening, uh, just like any good movie, there's a, you know, there's a great story, great script. So where's your story begin? Where'd you grow up? Uh, New Jersey. I mean, that's where I learned how to walk and learned how to do all those things was New Jersey. I was actually born in Sacramento, California, but I was gone from there by the time I was uh, a year and a half. So I was a Jersey boy. Is that where your uh, parents grew up out there? Uh, my my dad grew up in uh, Brooklyn. My mom grew, grew up in uh, Valley Stream, Long Island. Oh, okay. What was Sacramento? They were just out there for work for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Worked for the post office and a few other things, and then went back east uh, when he was buying a business. Oh, okay. So growing up, so you're 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 in the Bridgewater area, right? That's where you went to, like uh, elementary school. Sure. I went to elementary school, Somerville, and then Bridgewater, and middle school, high school, some of it. The other half of it was in New York for a couple of years, but mostly Jersey. So at what age does Scotty Schwartz, if I can call you Scotty, when do you think, hey, you know what, I want to be on TV, I want to be an actor? That, 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 that uh, how do you say it? It didn't really happen like that. It wasn't, it wasn't a... Uh, a voluntary, hey, let's go do this. Oh, okay. It was, I got asked to be in the TV commercial when I was uh, past eight years old, you know, eight and a half. And, you know, a guy that we knew was producing a commercial and said, hey, I think you'd be great at this. Give it a shot. No way. Yeah, that's how it, that's how it happened. And what was it for? <laughs> what was the ad for? You chocolate drink. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Look at that. And then from there, was it just you got hooked or somebody saw you from that and then it just continued to domino? Uh, no, again, we uh, on the way home, on the flight back from uh, shooting the U commercial in Miami, uh, the guy that got me to go down there said, hey, you know what? You're really good. You know, I've got friends that are casting directors and, you know, would you want to meet somebody and see if they can give you some advice? Okay. And talking to the casting director, and she's like, listen, you know, I think you'd do really well. I've got a couple of agents in mind. Why don't you take, you know, go meet with them and see who you like. And if you want to keep going, you keep going. And we ended up meeting both the people that she recommended. And we chose one of them. And it's just how it started. Wow. And then was your first, I'm sure you did. Did you do any like background work or was the series nurse in 81? Was that your first role? Oh, no, dude, I started in, uh, oh, God, I joined SAG in, uh, um, uh, my first commercial was March of 77. I joined oh, wow. SAG 
scored the end of middle middle to the end of seventy seven. Oh, so I mean, you know, I was I was busy. I, I was busy. I I literally did over a hundred TV commercials and you know and and then off Broadway and Broadway and nurses after that. Wow! So you're doing bro- so you were so doing theater. You're doing theater. That's amazing. Yeah, I did Equity Library Theater in '79 or in 1980, and then at the end of '81, I, I was doing Broadway, and then uh, went on to the other things. It, it would just kind of just naturally happen. It wasn't like I said, "Oh, I'm going to do this now." That's not how it is. You just go on auditions and you get what you get. And obviously, you're good at it. You know, doing having that much work at such a young age, you know, you have to be able to handle it. I'm sure there's other kid actors that try to do it. And just, it's too big of a moment, but you stepped up to the plate. Uh, I was enjoying myself. I just had a fun time. That's awesome. So then you do, so we're at 81, you're a nurse. And then how did the toy come about? Uh, for like every, like every other gig, you go into the audition. Me and God knows how many thousands of other kids and then it's, uh, we'd like to see you again. Okay. And you go back and that's, uh, you're doing okay. We'd like to see you again. Okay. And then it's, we want to see you again. And I was seven, uh, eight auditions and a screen test and that's a toy. You know, that's just how it, that's how you, you get it. So did you screen test with Jackie Gleason or Richard Pryor? Nope. Nope. Uh, I, I ended up screen testing. They flew me out to LA and I screen tested with, uh, a guy named Norman Gibbs, not a household name by any means, but somebody, when I tell you who he is, you'll know exactly who he is. Okay. He, he is the skinny of the two jive guys from airplane. Oh yeah. Exactly. (laughs) That's great. So, So he was the guy that I, uh, screen tested, you know, he was, he was the help. He was, you know, the other actor and, yeah, he did great. I did great. The next thing you know, you get a movie, and that's that's just how it goes. And just having that movie, because you were a little bit old. You're 12, 11, 12 at this point. So I'm sure you know who Richard Pryor is. I'm sure your parents. I was. Saw... Oh, I was thirteen when we started the film. I turned oh, okay. four, You know, while we were shooting, I turned fourteen. So oh, okay. yeah, I knew I knew who everybody was. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> So an experience like that, Richard Pryor, yeah, who he is, Jackie Gleason, who he is, like two heavyweights of comedy, and you went toe to toe with him. You seem so comfortable, especially that you're now that I know that you did Broadway. Still having two people like that you're acting with, you were so confident in that movie and just some of the lines that you were able to deliver. I watched it again today, and uh, man, that that it movie that movie brought me back because I watched that a bunch as a kid, and it's just such a fun movie. They made it fun. They they made it enjoyable to go to work every single day. You know, and uh, I was I was not the typical, uh, you know, thirteen to fourteen year old. I was already having had you know enough years behind me in entertainment. I knew how to be around adults. I knew how to act. I you know, uh, or I should say, I know how to behave. Yeah. They know how to act sounds wrong. Uh, I was an adult. I mean, I got up in the morning, took a shower, got dressed. You know, they picked me up at a certain time. You go and you take, uh, you go and you grab a cup of coffee and a bagel. And the next thing you know, you're, it's time to go to work. 
Yeah, you know, so it's just what I did. It was a job. Yeah. No. So one. So one thing I noticed in the movie, and I have to ask you: Were you actually driving the car down the hallway and down the stairs with Richard Pryor in it? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Uh, the first one when we were on the, the top level, yeah, I was driving the thing. Okay, and then coming <laughs> the first part of the staircase, uh, while I was driving it, uh, there was a. Uh, what do you want to call it? Almost like a uh, spring that was holding me so that the car just wouldn't just take off. Oh, okay. And then the last part of it, uh, if you watch the movie, uh, when we first start that last part of the staircase, all of a sudden the car bounces to the right. It all does, of a sudden yeah. it just kind of takes a quick right. And then I jerk the, the uh, wheel back to the left and I ended up hitting the table uh, the cart dead straight center. Don't <laughs> ask me how it happened, but that's what happened. <laughs> God, that movie's so awesome. That must have been such a cool experience. Do you ever go back? You've been in a bunch of things. Do you ever go back and like watch it or it just happens to be on and it's cool being able to see yourself and it's like almost having like you know back then a camcorder and like a you know go through memories. Uh, I don't watch it all that often anymore. Yeah. You know, it's just, after you've seen it so many times, it's just like, okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's more the memories of each scene and the things that were going on behind the camera, you know, off screen. Those are the things that I remember. If, you know, I watched something, I, oh, geez, you know, I remember this, that, whatever. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I've, I've, enjoyed it over the years you know now it's just kind of like you know it's like that vacation that you can watch whenever you want because it's it's on the television yeah any cool like jackie gleason stories because at that point he was so huge for so many years well i mean it's you know uh we had uh there, there was a three and a half week period where richard Pryor had gone into the hospital with exhaustion Oh, and wow. so we were shooting the party sequence, you know, where I, Richard and I drive around in the cars and all of that, which most of it was a stuntman anyway. Uh, so he's in the hospital and Gleason and I are there, but there's a lot of downtime, you know, there's just a lot of, you know, different things that were going on. They're shooting, you know, with all the extras and everybody else. And uh, he said to me one day, he said, kid, you know how to, uh, you know, shoot billiards, shoot pool. And I'm, I, you know, I was four foot six, you know, I, I said, no, Mr. Gleason, I don't, uh, never shot. He said, oh, come on, I'll teach you how to shoot pool. So he took me in the house and actually, I mean, we spent hours over the course of about two weeks, uh, teaching me how to shoot pool in the house. God, that's amazing. You know, um, he, he was a piece of work. He was a, he was a fun guy. You know, I mean, he, he didn't like working with kids and animals. They told me that before I got there. But again, being that I wasn't the typical goofy, wacky, stupid kid, you know, when I spoke to him, he knew that I was a movie buff. He knew that I knew who he was. I did impressions of him from either the Honeymooners or Smokey and the Bandit, you know, or whatever, you know, the, 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 uh, uh, the Hustler I absolutely love. So he saw me do them. He laughed. He thought it was funny. 
but he knew that I wanted to learn things because I would ask him questions. I would ask him, you know, this, that, you know, and we got into conversations about stuff, you know, you would never imagine talking to him about George M. Cohan, you know, during vaudeville days, talking about uh, um, Cagney, talking about being a pool hustler when he was, you know, nine, 10, 11 years old. Wow. I mean, you know, he was just, he was an incredibly uh, gifted man on the screen. While he wasn't the nicest guy to everybody by any stretch of the, of the imagination, he was cool with me. And, and that made my four months of shooting just that much better. It made it great. I bet. And it's good to know that you, you know, some movies they'll have cutaways for, for actors. At least, you know, now that Minnesota fats, when he played him in the hustler, that was him. And he was a pool hustler when he was pretty young. That's pretty awesome. Uh, if you watch the film, all of those shots that he does in the hustler are him. There's That's no cutaway. Fascinating. That's fascinating. There is no. Yeah. I mean, he, he is one of the very few people that we know of who actually one-on-one, he beat Willie Moscone, Steve Miserac, and Minnesota Fats in, in Games of Pool. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's so cool. So yeah. then, so right after the toy, which has to be an amazing experience, you are in a movie, and everyone knows this movie. It's on every year for 24 hours a day, A Christmas Story. Well, let me just, just kind of stop you for a half a second there. Sure. I actually got, I actually got done shooting the toy uh, middle of summer. And then a couple months later, I was off to uh, Tucson, Arizona to shoot a movie for 20th Century Fox called Kid Co. Oh, okay, cool. So, so I actually shot Kid Co. And then finished that and then shot A Christmas Story. Oh, God, what was it? Uh, seven, eight weeks later, I started working on oh, wow. Christmas Story. No, let's talk about Kid Co. Because they had that as the year later it came out. So 83, they have Christmas Story and then 84, Kid Co. Yeah, for the release date, but the actual yeah. shooting. Oh, yeah. No, I know. They could totally be different. But uh, yeah, so Kidco, that seemed like a pretty cool movie. Kidco was, you know, they say, well, you know, aren't you, you know, what's the thing you're most proudest of or whatever? Yes, the toy to a, to a certain extent, but that wasn't my movie. You know, that's Lisa and Fryer and Ned Beatty and Wilfred Hyde White, Teresa Ganzel and Richard Donner directing and Ray Stark producing it. Kidco you know, we had David Niven Jr. and Frank DeBlons as producers. Uh, Ron Maxwell was our director. But for me, I'm in 98% of the movie. And uh, it was my movie. And because of time-wise and whatever, I sort of need, I need, I shouldn't say sort of, I needed to finish the film early because the toy was coming out in the theaters and I wanted to be available for the press junket and doing all that stuff, the radio and TV and all those things. Yeah. And, uh, I sort of took over. And again, I sound crazy. I'm 14 years old. I've done one movie and I told the producers that I needed to get done, you know, on a certain date. And they thought I was absolutely out of my mind. They actually almost fired me over it. Wow. And, uh, you know, they, they asked the right question to the right 14 year old, you know, they said, well, listen, all right, fine. You know, we're going to get started here and you want to get done early. Okay. What do you want to do first? They actually asked me that. That was the right question. 
<laughs> and and this 14-year-old goes, well, I looked over the shooting schedule, and I think there's some things we can move around to cut some days off. And both of their mouths hit the floor. I'm sure. <laughs> and they went, okay. And the first AD came over with the shooting schedule. Everybody else left. It was just me and the first AD. We actually moved stuff around. We were scheduled to shoot until the either 21st or 22nd of December. And I said, I got to be done December 10th. It was a Friday. The toy is opening in the theaters. And we actually wrapped Kidco on December 10th. I mean, I was working over, I was working <laughs> overtime. I wasn't screwing around. I, again, not the typical kid. It's business. Let's go. Let's get this done. Yeah. You and, really want uh, to take, a, take part of that press junket and you set a goal and you're able to help them out too. Cause that saves them money getting shooting done early. Right. Oh, absolutely. Listen, we worked overtime every day. I mean, there were days I worked 14, 16 hours. It didn't matter. I, I could to tell you, I wasn't tired one day. It was okay. This is what we're doing today. Let's, let's rock and roll. Let's get it done. And you know, that's sort of my my not ego, but that's what I'm most proud of. You know, Christmas Story was a cakewalk. You know, and Christmas Story was was like the vacation in the place that you never want to go on a vacation. <laughs> you know, when you read the script, Flick has you know in, in the actual script, Flick has like sixteen or seventeen lines, yeah. and I was hired for five weeks. That's three lines of dialogue a week. That's it. That's all that realistically I was supposed to do. Yeah. So, I mean, even though it, it came out, it ends up being more than that because of the ad-libbing and just making stuff up, being stuck on the pole and all that nonsense. Uh, <laughs> I worked one day a week, I mean, you know, and I'm there and all I'm doing is hanging out. I'm playing in the arcades at the hotel. Can't go anywhere much too cold in, in Canada to, to go outside and do anything. It was 20, 22 below zero, no, 24 below zero. It was, it was insane. And, uh, the, where the Higbee's was, uh, where we're looking in the window and all that, that shot yeah. in Cleveland and Cleveland at that time was really bad. I mean, really bad. Crime was rampant. Really? Uh, all of the stores in, in where Higbee's was right behind, right sort of behind it. As a part of it, it was the uh, rail station, the train station. And I tell you, there wasn't three stores that were open. Everything was boarded up. I mean, it was a downtime for Cleveland. And Damn. so they, you, they, they, they asked us nicely, when the sun goes down, please don't go outside. Yeesh. <laughs> I mean, that's how bad it was. And we're like, well, you know, what if, you know, uh, you know my guardian or, the, the, you know, your, your chaperone wants to take you out? And they'd go. We really would prefer if you don't go outside. <laughs> so, so Scott, since you're since being at your at your age then, and you're well beyond your you know your years, did you think this movie would be what it is today? No, that's like asking somebody in advance what's the lotto numbers. No, I know, I know that. But even to you even know. to a marginal of it, just the fact no. that it's on twenty four hours a day. Every year That's, since what year? I don't even know how, when they started that. Ninety six. That's that's only like thirteen years after it came out. It was that big of a hit that TNT was like TNT TBS. We, we want it on all the time. It, it, it happened to be fortunate to be a part of a time when uh, Ted Turner 
was buying the MGM library for TNT and CBS. And they needed a couple of movies at the end of the deal. And his secretary from the story that I got from, you know, pretty good stories to Turner was she was a Christmas story buff. She loved Christmas story and he didn't know what it was. And so she actually brought in her VHS copy of it and he watched it in the office. <laughs> and he was thought it's a very nice movie. Okay. And they added it to the list and he bought it for a pittance. And he got a hold of it. And they were like, all right, what are we going to do with it? Well, they had so little into it. She said, why don't we try a marathon? You know, they, they did it with um, It's a Wonderful Life. The first year went okay. The second year didn't do as well. They did the same thing with um, Wizard of Oz. They did it once, it did okay, second time, and, and then that was that. Well, because they had nothing into it, they said, sure. What's the worst thing that happens? We put it out there. We, we'll, we'll break even. We'll make back the money we spent for it. And it'll sit in the archives and we'll just make money on it, you know, a little here and there. Well, they did the marathon and it did good. Okay, well, we'll do it again. And the second year, instead of the ratings going down, they went up and they went, okay, this is good. We'll do it again. And I mean, then it just started to go. It started off, you know, whatever. I don't exactly know what the count was. But year after year, when they were getting 15, 20, 30, 40, Eventually, over 50 million homes were turning into turning on this thing during the marathon. Now it's a cash cow. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers, who you know owns Turner, um, they actually uh, or Turner owns Warner Brothers. Excuse me. Warner Brothers PR said that a Christmas story is uh, the highest grossing film that they ever. Uh, not the highest grossing. They've made more money from it than any other movie that they own in the history of Warner Brothers because wow. they only paid like two hundred and fifty grand for it. That's it. And how does that work yeah, for the they, cast? How does that work for the cast, like royalty wise? Nothing it has nothing to do with us whatsoever. We, we uh, don't have ownership. Oh, no, that's we don't have. There's no ownership. You know, we just get paid. We get paid a residual. You know, uh, when it's on television. And that whole thing is, you know, again, part of Screen Actors Guild and the union and what they did and how they did it back when cable was starting in the early 80s. Uh, you know, they said, well, we might want to show a movie more than once uh, a day or something. And uh, this is non-network, so not ABC, NBC, CBS or Fox for that matter. Anything on cable, if a movie is shown more than once on a calendar day. You only get paid for one show. So when they show the marathon 12 times, it's six times one day, six times the second day. But we only get paid one for one showing. And because it's been on so many times over the years, it's a sliding scale. We basically make 80 cents a day. So we make $1.80 for the marathon. $1.60, excuse me, $1.60 for the marathon. That's unreal. That's what it is. And that's not only me, that's just, you know, that's, that's what it is for all the cast. Do you ever, uh, is there any, I know you're going to, uh, pretty soon you're going to like a uh, autograph signing in PA, but are you, do you ever get together with the cast or do you guys ever reach out to each other? Oh, sure. I was just with, uh, with, I was with the bullies this past weekend. I was oh, with nice. Jeff Arcus and Grover Dill in, uh, in Kentucky at the first 
Kentucky Christmas Fest. So we got to hang out, meet some fans, meet and greet, you know, and find some autographs and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I mean, I just, I, I saw Peter a couple months ago with Ralphie. Uh, oh, cool. On, on Wednesday, I'm going to see the little brother, Randy. You know, so I, we do see some of them sometimes. You know, Belinda Dillon is, is basically retired at this point. He played the mom. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I saw her last year. Um, Penny Moore, who was Miss Shield, she's up in Canada, Toronto. I haven't seen her now in several years. The elves are in Cleveland. I haven't seen them in a while. You know, we're kind of, we're just kind of bopping all over the place. You know? That's cool. You know, you have the the memories from that movie, and so many people, you know, want to see you because it's on all the time. People love it. You know what? That's just the general public. They decided yeah. that this movie was going to be the one for the holiday. They they fully decided it based on the quality of the film. You know, based on how much they love it. This is what. The public has decided, and that's okay. You know, it's uh, it's it's quite enjoyable to see people's reactions, you know, and see the uh, the love that they have for the project that we were all part of. You know, I wasn't the star of it. I'm in like I think seven or eight minutes of footage in the whole thing. That's it. But you know, and the bullies are in less than me. But you know, we were all part of. Uh, an ensemble piece that people just love. Yeah, and I think that movie, the per- the best part about it being on all the time, obviously you're not staring at the TV for 24 hours, but you know, you go out of the room, you have family over, you put it on, and you're always on these different parts. And I always love the movie because it reminded me of like Married with Children kind of the way Darren McGavin was. And I know that's pre-Married with Children, but just, I don't know, the, the Bumpus Hounds and just his relationship with his wife and I don't know, it's such a cool and it's just a cool, I love period pieces and I think it's so cool that movie just it's great. It's a relationship film. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, there are reasons why generations of people love this thing. What is the movie about? Is it about Ralphie wants a BB gun? Is it about (laughs) the leg lamp? Is it about, you know, uh, the gift you hate, the bunny suit. No, it's a boy who wants respect from his father. He wants yep. the acceptance of his father. And so you've got this whole thing where, you know, Ralphie's mom, oh, you'll shoot your eye out. No, no, you'll shoot your eye out. None of that. But then at the end, you get the payoff. The old man, hey, you know, I had one when I was eight years old. Come on, you got to give the kid what he wants. Yeah. It's an acceptance. You know, and Darren is wonderful. You know, I, I didn't really get a chance to spend much of any time with him. I'm not in any scenes with him, um, but uh, he he was, you know, a nice man, but so talented. I mean, what oh, yeah. he did in the film is just so great. You know, his stuff is, that's my favorite stuff, is the stuff that he did. Uh, you know, French easily, it must be Italian. Uh <laughs> You know, the, the, the totally non-PC, I love the Chinese restaurant. Yes. You know, yes. Fa, ra, 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 I love that scene. You know, doesn't make me a bad person. I love that scene. Oh, no, that's um, a great scene. And it's a, such a it, thing, too. People do that. They go get Chinese food at Christmas, maybe because of that, maybe because of Christmas story, but that's like a thing. 
Sure. Yeah, no, it, uh, it's really a wonderful film, extremely well cast. Everybody was just, you know, again, easy to work with. The worst thing of the whole movie is the weather. Yeah. You know, the, what, what we had to be put through to get this thing done. You know, it's you know, not what people think. You know, I mean, that, that tongue in the flagpole. Yeah, okay, great, whatever. It's 24 below zero in Canada in February, you know. <laughs> Where and in, Can- where in make- Canada were you guys at? Uh, we were in a town called St. Catharines, between oh, Toronto okay. and Buffalo. Oh yeah, I got me and, and my I'm- wife. Me and my wife got married uh, in Niagara Falls. We actually went into St. Catharines. I think that was when we got our mar- marriage certificate around there. Oh, it was just brutal. Yeah, you know the conditions and people. Oh, it was just one scene. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's not like movies take 10 minutes to shoot a scene. You got to shoot all the different angles. They got to set everything up. You got to figure out what you're going to do, whatever. We shot it the first time. It took 12 and a half hours. And then they underdeveloped the film and we had to go back and do it a second time. Oh no. And the second time it only took us 11 and a half hours. You know, I mean, it was just, Oh, but that that's, sort of the thing you just kind of toss to the side because you did, you know, you enjoyed the overall participation in the film, you know, but those memories don't go away. It's not like they just disappear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. You have stories like that, even though obviously you had to do it twice, but uh, so the next, the next movie that pops up when I'm, when I'm it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline looking at your imdb that really catches my eye and it was another one of these star you know you were the star raiders of the living dead oh my god the infamous as i call it yes well what was that there was a, a movie producer and director uh named sam sherman he ran a company called independent international and back in the 60s and 70s everything that he did was for the drive-in market so i mean you know Stuff like Frankenstein versus Dracula, oh, you yeah. know, and, and the the naughty stewardesses. I mean, it was drive-in specialty. That's what he did. And uh, when I got into show business, I was at a film club with my dad. That's how I got into show business. And Sam was one of the members of the film club, so I knew Sam since I was five years old. So he says, someday I'm going to get a film. And you're going to do a movie for me. Sure. Okay. You know, and I'm in, you know, I'm working for Columbia and I'm working for 2020 and I'm working for MGM and oh, now I'm working for independent international. Sounds like the career is going in the right direction, you know, <laughs> but I did it because it was Sam and I knew him since I was a kid. So why wouldn't I do this, this cockamamie movie that he came up with called Raiders of the Living Dead. So the backstory very quickly is he bought 45 minutes of zombie footage. He just 
bought assorted zombie footage and writes a script around his zombie footage that he has. Oh, wow. And I end up shooting Raiders of the Living Dead. <laughs> you know, but it was cool. You know, uh, uh, Bob Allen, who was a Western star in the 40s and 50s, played my grandfather. You know, and uh, Dita Johansson played the grandmother. And if I remember, she's in The Mummy in 32 with, with uh, Karloff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I don't know if you have like a, I don't know if you have like an office area or like a man cave, but you need to get that movie poster. I don't know oh, the I last time it. you saw, oh, you do? That's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh no, Sam, you know, Sam made up posters and, uh, you know, he gave me a whole box up. I probably have 50 of them or whatever. Oh, that's cool. Ooh, no, I like it. You're I actually, the, laser. Uh, the girl in the movie who played like my girlfriend or whatever, uh, her name is Corey. Uh, I actually uh, found her on Facebook, and we we reconnected. She's married. She's got a daughter. It's wonderful. But I said, to her, I said, do you have any extra? Do you have any Raiders posters? She said, Yeah, I think I have two. I said, I'll give you a few. I gave her like four or six of them just to get out a few extras. Oh, that's awesome! And you know, it's funny. She she was only in like two movies ever. Corey Birch. Yeah, I'm looking at her right now. She was only in two movies. And absolutely. Stunning, gorgeous woman. Oh yeah, she 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 she's a gorgeous woman, and not a kinder, gentler, wonderful soul could you find. She's just a great, and her husband is phenomenal. I mean, I I just was in Jersey, I think, when I went two months ago. I was there for a friend of mine's wedding, about fifteen minutes from where Corey and her husband live, and they're like, you know, well, where are you staying? I said, well, I've got a room at the hotel, you know. The days, the, the two days of the wedding. She said, Well, come on a day early and come and stay with us and hang out. And so we hung out and went and had dinner and, you know, whatever. And I stayed at their place. I mean, it was just a wonderful woman. That's really cool. That's awesome. So, so the next movie that I saw in here, it just, this movie fascinates me because it's uh, Frank Stallone as a bad guy in fear. Great movie. I got to see this movie. You'll either find it under Fear, the title's Fear, or Honor Betrayed. They had a working title. Oh, okay. And so sometimes you find it on DVD, and it's called Fear, and sometimes Honor Betrayed. But Fear, you should be able to find. Uh, he plays a uh, 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 prisoner. He's, he's on a, a bus. They're going to the prison, and the bus crashes, and four guys end up, you know, off the bus. It's kind of like... Um, the uh, uh oh, Jesus Tommy Lee Jones the uh, uh the fugitive oh, okay cool you know the bus the bus crashes and whatever and Frank is one of the guys and um I'm I'm just you know the son of uh, Cliff the Young and Kay Lenz and there's another girl who plays the, the the sister or the daughter of theirs whatever and uh, he ends up kidnapping us on our motor home and all this and that's a thriller and all that but you know fun project. No, when I saw that, I was like, "Man, I have to, I have to ask Scott about that because that looks pretty wild." It, 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 it's not a comedy by any stretch of the imagination, you know. Oh no, it looks it's wild. Kind of, you know, it's a yeah, drama poster, he's, like, he's like holding. I'm, it looks like Kay Lenz, I guess, on the on the cover, and he has like a shotgun. He's holding a shotgun in the air. Looks pretty. Oh cool. yeah. Oh no. The, 
And there's a, there's another guy named Bob Factor, Robert Factor, and he's the uh, the other bad guy. But he's not, you know, he you can't blame him. He's got PTSD. He was a former soldier. So he's kind of lost his brains, and all he wants to do is just shoot everybody. Kind of sounds you like know? Rainbow. <laughs> oh, it's a it's a wacky film, dude. It's a wacky movie. That's awesome. So then after that, you you were in. Uh something called TV 101 and then you forayed into a different industry for, for the nineties. TV 101. I just did the pilot. Oh, it was just, you know, they had, they had, well, I did the pilot. They had, they had 10 kids in the cast and, um, you know, this is like one of those things, you know, they say, Oh, it's great. And I'm going, not exactly. I shoot the pilot. I'm the only person with credit with, you know, notoriety, anything. You know, there were other people in that cast that went on to do some great things. But at this time, I was the only known name. And I was also getting paid triple what everybody else was getting. Uh, okay. I'm getting, I'm getting like three and a half times scale. And they were all working for scale plus 10. So, they, so CBS picked the show up. And the producer called me up. I go to the office. He goes, listen, you know. Uh, you know, as you know, and you've heard, the show's been picked up. And I said, yeah, this is going to be great. This and that. They said, look, we got 10 kids. We're cutting three of them. One of them we're cutting is you. We're saving money on the budget, and we think we're going to be okay with the other seven. You know, thank you for your participation in the pilot. We really appreciate it, and have a nice day. So I didn't get picked up for the pilot, but at the same time in the cast was Andrew Cassell, who was in Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, yeah. And then this this wonderful woman named Terry Polo, yep, she ends up in Meet the Meet the Fockers, yeah. And then this other guy, how you doing? I'm Matt LeBlanc. I'm on Friends. How are you? So Matt becomes the lead of this, you know, the show that was on for two years. Then later on, of course, he ends up as Matt LeBlanc in Friends. You know, and I got to tell you something. Matt LeBlanc is an incredible actor. If you want him to play Matt LeBlanc. He can play Matt LeBlanc better than anybody on planet Earth. <laughs> That's great. And then another person on there, Stacey Dash, was on that show too. And Stacey Dash. Damn, sure. that's a lot of big people from that. Yeah. You know, and Stacey was was really cool. I mean, she was she was a cool chick. Incredibly, again, incredibly beautiful woman. Oh yeah. You know, and she was young. She was a kid, you know. Um uh I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. The, the uh, Robards, Sam Robards, I think was the lead. And of course, his father was Jason Robards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was in a ton of stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I mean, after that, I did another movie with Frank Stallone called The Garbage Man, which never, never got a U.S. distribution of any kind. Not that I know of. I've never seen it. Oh, I haven't seen that on here. What's that about? Uh, Frank plays a guy who's trying to impress this woman and he saves a whole bunch of money. He's just a garbage man, but he, you know, he saves like a hundred grand and he blows it all on this blonde bimbo, you know? Um, and, uh, my character, which was just hilarious. They, they, they explain it that my, my agent at the time says, listen, and my, my body type, I'm five foot two and I might weigh one fifteen at this point. <laughs> they want me to play a gay bodybuilder. So I'm like, okay. So I go into the audition and we're talking and whatever. 
And uh, they said, listen, because of your size, we, we're going to go completely for comedy here. So basically, we, if you book the movie, we want you to gain like 15 to 20 pounds. We want you to go on an ice cream diet. So I start playing and, and extremely uh, ex- exaggerated gay guy. So I'm very ultra flamboyant. I mean, I am flamboyant like you cannot believe. And they're like, oh my God, this is hilarious. And they just loved it. So I got out of there and I actually, I, I, I got in the car and I was maybe 15 minutes away. I was stopping for some lunch and my agent calls me up. She said, I don't know what you did, but you did it right. They called already. You're in the movie. I said, oh, this is great. They said, this is when shooting starts. And, and this is what she said. She goes, and they said, you can start your diet. Cause she had no idea what they want. Yeah. She's like, you know, do you need to get a gym membership? Do we need to get you into a physical training program? I'm like, no, that's not what they want. They <laughs> want me to eat ice cream every day. She's like, Oh God. So I, I'm wearing like a one piece leotard and it was just hilarious. What was it like? Is that the second time you're working? How is Frank Stallone? Frank's awesome. Frank is an awesome dude. You know, we, the first thing we shot, you know, we got along as friends. We stayed in touch. I've gone to events with him and fly and done stuff with them. And he's, he's a great dude. I see him in concert. You know, people laugh. They make fun of him because, oh, he's just Sylvester Stallone's brother. And I'm like, no, the guy can play 10 instruments. He's had a number one song in the country, you know, from staying alive. Now that, of course, it's in the movie because, you know, just the things that had happened with the BGs not doing all songs and flying into the cheap song. You needed somebody to do a song. And who's he going to ask? I'm, hey, I'll buckle up you guys in my, in my brother's pocket. You know, he's done stuff before. And of course, he comes up with Far From Over. And he's a number one guy in the country. Not because of Sly, because of his song. Uh, you know, and I still see him in concert. He plays casinos and he plays different places around the country and I've gone to see him and, you know, Still a very good friend and just, you know, great dude. He's been in when I looked at his IMDb, he was in a lot more movies than I thought he was. So I gotta definitely check out Fear. That's that's on my oh, list Fear, for the weekend. Fear, cool. I mean, he's in Barfly with Mickey Wark. He plays the bartender, he's terrific in that. Yeah, yeah. You know, but he's done God knows how many films, 70, 80, 100 movies, whatever it's been. Not because he's a big star, but because his name is a draw. You know, he does sell, whether it's overseas, be it Europe, Canada, Australia, wherever, they know who he is, and he, he sells product. That's awesome. So, so one thing I wanted to write down for you that I wanted to ask, just see how it was, but so, so in 2000, I think it was, they did an E! True Hollywood story. What is something like that like? Like, reliving everything, and I never saw that one, so... You know, listen, it, it's one of those things where I, I didn't ever want to do the child stars gone bad. I didn't want any of that nonsense because I really didn't. I've never been to jail. I'm not on drugs. I'm not an alcoholic. You know, they didn't have that. They sort of had the other things that I had done as their kicker and whatever. And they sort of skewed the thing that way. And that's not what they told me they were going to do. But, of course, they're lying bastards and whatever. Yeah. You know, um, but it's... Um, and the process is enjoyable. You know, the end product, yeah, it was all right. 
the cool thing for me was I got my friends in it. They wanted to talk to, to people that knew me like they do in every other hot Charles each your Hollywood stories back then. Yeah. So it was great. They went to Jersey and they, they talked to my friends that I grew up with. You know, they, they went to one of my friend's houses and everybody kind of came over and then they all talked to them individually. And, um, my one friend, Andy, who's in it quite a bit, I've known him since sixth grade. You know, he was my right hand man. You know, he was the heavyweight wrestler on our, our wrestling team in our high school. And he was basically like the bodyguard, you know, that was my guy. And, uh, he was also, you know, a uh, correctional facility officer. Now, so he worked in a jail with juveniles. So, you know, never thinking he would, you know, get on camera, ever do anything or whatever. He ends up in my East Hollywood story. Yeah. And uh, he's working the jail. And it comes on in the jail. And the kids are watching it. And there he is. And they're like, wait a minute. That's Officer Serafino. Wait a minute. And they, somebody called him to come in and he thought something was wrong and whatever. And they're like, no, 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 no. Dude, you're on this show. And he kind of became their hero because he was, he knew the famous guy. He knew the guy in the toy Christmas story. <laughs> so it made his job easier. Nobody gave him a hard time. Look at that. You were able to help Matt. So you wrestled in high school. I did. Yes. And no, um, I, because of my other job yeah. being an actor, I couldn't go to the practices, you know, and, uh, I, I went out for it, uh, my senior year and I was a 90, I was a 97 pound senior. I was a small guy and our coach really wanted me to do it. I'm like, listen, I, there's no way I'm not going to make all the practice, you know, just impossible. So he, he made me the wrestling manager. So I just showed up and helped all the guys and stuff like that. I mean, I actually got a letter. I lettered in wrestling because I managed and whatever, but. I was I was one of those guys that I could do anything. I was a yeah. one seventy five bowl. I was a one seventy five bowler. I went out for the bowling team. The guy's like, "Well, you got to be at practice three days a week." I said, "It's never going to happen." <laughs> you know, I got auditioned, and he's like, "Well, then you can't be on the team." And the kid that was the captain of the team, he's like, "You got to be kidding me!" He's the second best bowler we have. What do you mean? He goes, "Can't make the practice. Can't be on the team. Make a decision. You want to be a, the TV guy or you want to be the bowler on the high school team?" Well, that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, believe it or not, at five foot two, I went out for the basketball team. I'm a heck of a basketball player. And the coach looked at me. He's like, what are you doing here? I said, I'm going to try out. He goes, why? I'm not going to make the team. I said, why? He said, well, you're five two. I said, that don't matter. I can pretty much beat the shit out of anybody that's here. He's my French. And he goes, okay, let's see what you got. He put me on the court with a kid named Eric Murdoch. Oh, who was, yes. He was, you know, the state champion. He was the best kid in school in the state of New Jersey. That season and the following season, I graduated. He was a junior on the team. And uh, we went to 21. He beat me 21-17. But I scored 17 points off the best player in the country on one-on-one. Oh, yeah. And the coach is like, okay, you, you're, you're going to make this team. You just got to beat all the press. <laughs> I, said, yeah, I said, you know what? I said, thank you. I know I'm not going to be here. I just wanted to know that I could do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, talk to the bowling coach, talk to the wrestling coach. <laughs> exactly. I went out for all this stuff. And I, I'm like, and I was, a, I was an athlete. I could do it all. I was the short. That was just my thing. You know, listen, so, if I was, if I was six foot, I, or better, I'd have been in the NBA. And I don't even say that with any ego. 
uh, this is now five years, five and a half years, almost six years ago. February will be six years. Uh, I was in Denver, and they asked me to do the uh, half-court shot with the mascot. And I said, okay, I can do that. And they brought me up during the fourth quarter to the practice facility, and I did a couple shots from half-court. And I'm not a regular shooter because I was short. What I learned how to do is the skyhook. I learned Karina Abdul-Jabbar skyhook. Yeah. Because I had to shoot over everybody. So actually at a real NBA game in Denver in February of 14, I hit a half-court hook shot. <laughs> That's awesome. Did they know who you were? Is that why they chose you? Well, or was it Okay, cool. No, I was just, yeah, no. I was a celebrity. So since I hit the shot, I hit the half-court shot. It was so great, man. They gave me a, a raspberry snapple and a t-shirt. I'm sure that must, you can, you can, that must have been on ESPN. Hmm. Um, actually, TMZ ran it. Um, ESPN never ran it. But you could actually go to YouTube and look up uh, Rocky, because that was the, the mascot's name is Rocky. Uh, if you look up Rocky Christmas Story... That's pretty much, or, you know, you can put, look up Nuggets, Rocket, Rocky Christmas Story. You'll see the video. There's one that's like a minute long, one that's like 25 seconds. But you'll see me hit the half-court shot. And I did the Larry Bird. When I threw it, I knew it had a shot. And I started going to the right, and I, I put the hand up in the air. Like Bird used to do for his three-point. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Yep, I got it. I see it on here. Dude, that's so awesome. Yeah, so, he so, did the oh, he does the backwards over the head, and he actually hit it. He hit his. The horn went off, and I only had one shot left. That was it. That was going to be the end of the game. There was 18 seconds, 18.7 seconds to go. <laughs> and he hands me the ball. I dribbled once, threw it up in the air, and quit. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was awesome. Yeah, I just watched it. That was cool. So, Scott, what are you up to nowadays? Is there any, like, acting role, uh, anything you have going on, like, acting-wise? Yeah, actually, I'm doing a film uh, in a month. I'm I'm going to uh, back east for for a week, and I'm doing four or five days on a on a. I think it's called uh, a wrestling Christmas movie. That's what the, oh, okay. the title is, a wrestling Christmas movie. And I'm doing that, and then I've got another film I'm going to be doing uh, in uh, April. Uh, and I think I think they're going to shoot in Virginia, if I remember. Just not I, don't remember. I think that's where it is. Is that there's one on here? I know I know these aren't usually 100 like for pre-production, but the one in here is called The Bend. No, no, that's that's two years ago, and that's not even that guy never. Yeah, no, the guy never finished getting the budget, and we never shot it. Well, that's cool that you're still that you're still doing that. You're still acting because you know you know you know you what to do. You don't re, you don't retire from that business. That's all I'm retired from. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. If, I was, if I'm Gene Hackman and I'm 85 and I'm and I'm a multimillionaire, you retire from acting. Otherwise, yeah. if you get something, you get something. That's just how it goes, you know. You, you, you figure out other things to do to make a living. You know, I, I rep uh, celebrities for autograph shows and memorabilia signings. Oh, nice. You know, I buy and sell sports cards. You know, and 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 memorabilia on eBay. You know, and I just I found you know different things to do to make a living so you got to do so so scott this has been great one question i have to ask and i know you started doing this really young but and it's so long ago now 
But was there anything else you wanted to do besides acting? Or was that your earliest memory of like career? I know when you're six or seven, it's like astronaut, cowboy, police officer. You know, it, it wasn't. It, it, I wanted to be an athlete of some kind. Yeah, I really did. I loved baseball. I was a hell of a shortstop, left field, right field, didn't matter. You know, I was a decent hitter. I could hit the crap out of the ball. You know, so there was baseball, basketball, but it just wasn't my size. You know, it wasn't going to be for me. I got into professional wrestling. You know, I was a, you know, a baby, you know, a youngster of the 80s. So I was the Hulk Hogan guy and Randy Savage and yeah. Roddy Piper. I always, I want, it was something I always wanted to do. Um, and ended up hanging out with those people, being a part of that world for, you know, a year and a half. Uh, part of the WWF, even though I was not an employee, I was never a paid, you know, anything. I went to the events. I helped out. I worked with the guys. I picked them up from the airport, took them to the hotels, took them to the, you know, all that, all that stuff. What um, years were that? Um, uh, 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 August of 85 until January of 87. Wow. That's awesome. So I was a part of that. Now it's funny because I moved to California uh, in 90 really got out of the wrestling thing. They didn't come out here all that much. Back then, no cell phones. Uh, so you couldn't just get a hold of anybody anytime. And uh, I hadn't gone to an event in, oh, God, it was probably close to 15 or 16 years. And I'm at a uh, convention called Schiller Theater in New Jersey. They run it twice a year in Persephone, April and October. Oh, nice. That's and one of the other. And one of the other guys there is named Jerry the King Waller. I love him. And I'm sitting at my table, and this absolutely stunningly beautiful woman comes up. He goes, oh, my God, you're here. Now, I have no idea who this woman is. And I said, hi, how are you? I'm Donnie. Oh, I'm Lauren. I said, oh, it's nice to meet you. I'm Jerry Waller's girlfriend. I said, oh, cool. You know, I knew he was going to be there. I said, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'll come over. Oh, you don't understand. Jerry is a Christmas story fanatic. He has a 46-inch leg lamp in the window in the front of our house that sits there all year long. And December 1st, he turns it on. And January 1st, he turns it off. So I go over, and I'm, I'm talking to Jerry. And he's wonderful. And, you know. And he had no idea that I was a part of that world at one time. And he goes, well, you have to come to SummerSlam. It's in LA. You've got to come. You've got to, you know, make sure we'll, we'll, you know, see everybody. I'm like, okay. You know, after I'd been to 150 wrestling shows, you know, what's the one place I really want to go is another wrestling show. But I'm like, okay. So I went with him. We had breakfast. We'd walked in the Staples Center together. I'm in the back. I'm in the, 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 the catering room. And, um, uh, in walks Jimmy, Jimmy Mouth of the South Park. And I knew him when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And we had met at other shows and stuff. He's like, oh my God, you're here. This is great. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Oh, Hulk's going to love seeing you. And all. I'm like, oh, cool. So Hogan's there. Hogan walks over, gives me a hug. How you been? What's going on, little brother? You know. <laughs> and uh, one, of the, one of the guys' name is Tony Chimmel. Now, he was a ring announcer for several years. But before that, he was a ring crew guy. And I worked with him when I was a kid. So he comes up to me, looks at me, and he goes, Scotty, 
And I looked at him and I go, Tony? Well, then it was hugging and kissing and, oh, my God. He's like, you're not going to believe this. Mark is still here. His name is Mark Yeaton. He was the timekeeper at the Bell for 30 years for them. And I'm like, oh, my God, how is he? He goes, he's in the hallway. Come here. Come here. you got to see this. So he goes to the hallway, and I'm standing at the door, and he goes, Mark, you're not going to believe this, man. They literally, they will let anybody in here who walks in the door. And he pulls me out into the hallway so Mark can see me. And he's like, oh, my God. And we hugged and kissed and cried. You know, these were my boys, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think there was, you know, getting to meet some of the newer guys hanging out. I'm talking to Brock Lesnar and I'm talking to Kane and I'm, you know, John Cena and Randy Orton and, you know. Uh, so I had a blast. And then before the end of the night, you know, I ran into, you know, I'm out in the, in the, uh, the garage area and I've been uh, talking to Pat Patterson, who I knew. Oh, nice. And, and Stephanie McMahon comes walking toward me and Hunter's about six or eight feet behind her. And she's walking toward me and she's got this look on her face like, why do I know you? Why? And she comes up and she's like, you look really familiar. I said, hi, Stephanie. Scotty Schwartz, you know, blah, blah, blah. Boy, a Christmas story. She goes, oh, my God. My dad knows. My dad used to talk about you. Oh, my God. Oh, and she gave me a hug. And then Hunter walks up and he's like, why is my wife hugging this man? <laughs> and, and she goes, she goes, Hunter. This is Scotty. He was in the toy with Richard Fryer. He did, did Christmas Story. He's like, oh, dude, I love your movies, man. So, you know, being a part of that so many years before and then coming back to it, uh, you know, that was that's one of those things you, you can't put a price tag on. The, the McMahon family has always very been very, very kind and, and, and gracious to me and nice. And they, they, you know, they particularly have treated me like family. Not everybody at the company does. But they do. That's so awesome that you took that he offered that to you, and just the yeah. way everything worked out. And then look, that that is a really great Ooh. story. Well, the end of it really. Two years ago, I'm in Memphis with Jerry Waller, and he goes, "Okay, come on, we got to go somewhere." And it's probably about four o'clock in the afternoon. I said, "All right, where are we going?" "Oh, we're going down to Mississippi. I got a gig tonight." I'm looking at him. I'm like, we're in Memphis. You want to go to Mississippi? He goes, yeah, it's like a, you know, hour and 25 minute ride. Let's go. So I go with him to the event. I meet the promoter. Who's this guy, Hollywood, Jimmy Blaylock. He's been on Conan O'Brien and all kinds of stuff. He's a showman. I mean, that's what he does. Well, I end up in the gig. I end up in the show with Lawler and they, they get me in the ring and I, uh, I shove a Twinkie in, in Jimmy Blaylock's face, and then the, the bad guy is named Stan Sierra. <laughs> he throws me in the corner. He gives me two splashes. I fall down. We do this whole spiel. So now you go eight months later, I go back down. Now I'm actually booked at the gig now <coughs> with Jerry. And to make a long story short, we end up, I end up next to him as like his manager for the night, whatever. And I end up in the ring, and there's a whole melee, and Stan hits the turnbuckle, and he falls down. And I go up to the top rope to do the Randy Macho Man Savage flying elbow. Yes. I'm 50 years old, and it took me 40 years to get in the ring. <laughs> and it was great. You know, there's the thing that's like the payoff of being a wrestling fan and wanting to do this. You know, 
Lanny, I called Lanny uh, uh, Papo, you know, the genius from, from WWF. I told him, he goes, oh, that's going to be great. Randy would would have loved this, man. Oh, my oh, that's God. That's awesome, man. You know, have a blast. And I talked to Hogan, and he's like, listen, man, if you want to come and train, I'll give you some hanging and banging. We can hang in Tampa, you know. And I'm like, I don't think I got to do all that much, you know. But I, I had a blast. You know, so... Man, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. That, that's the thing I end up. I end up hitting a half court shot in an NBA game. I end yeah. up in a wrestling ring. The only thing I haven't done that I that I've always wanted to do is be, uh, you know, take VP at a at an MLB park. You know, I haven't done that yet, but I don't close the chapter. The chapter, the book's not done yet. You know, we can we can do that in my life too. You can do that. Where are you close to out there? Do you go to like any Angel games or Dodgers or? But, you know, you couldn't pay me to go to Dodger Stadium. <laughs> no. No, forget the fact that it's an old dumpy stadium. Yeah, not a Dodger fan at all. Uh, I I've known Barry Bonds since ni- uh, 1988, and so I used to go up to to uh, PMC or AT and T Park, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, and I just never asked him. Just somehow I just never asked him. I was in the clubhouse a hundred times and never said, "Hey, I want to take BP. Can you make this happen?" I just never did it for some reason. Um. But uh, no, all the guys that I knew in, in baseball are all retired now. And, you know, uh, and I was friends with a whole bunch of guys, but uh, just never made that happen. Maybe someday somebody will just say, hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't I don't do the celebrity games because, you know, right now they, they want all the people that are on the network shows and that they're yeah. pushing. And if they're not pushing you, you're just one of whomever. So how do you meet a guy like Barry Bonds? Um. My dad had a retail store in Westlake Village, and up the street was Royal Christian High School, and his father, Bobby Bonds, was doing a charity autograph signing there. Oh, okay. And I, w- I went up, met Bobby, talked to him, told him who I was, introduced myself. He goes, my kid loves you. He's a monster fan. And I went, okay. You know, he's like, as soon as the season starts, they're coming down here. I'll call you. And, you know, you go to a game, meet Barry. I said, okay, great. That sounds terrific. You know, and I was a fan anyway. It's like, okay. And, you know, went to the game. My tickets were there. Barry left me the tickets. It was great. Okay, fine. Then I saw him for a moment or two before the game and then met him after the game and went and had some dinner with him. And we were friends ever, friends ever since. That's awesome. You know, I was just up there last year. I was up in, the, in, in Frisco in January. Or no, uh, December of 18. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost a year now. And, um, you know, I called him up. I said, Hey, are you around? He goes, yeah, what's going on? I said, well, I'm going to be in town for a day and a half. You want to go to lunch? He said, sure. So he, you know, he picked me up at the hotel. We went to lunch. We had a three and a half hour DS session and he dropped me back off for my signing. It was great. That is so cool. You don't get these. You can't read any of this stuff on online. Just the last 10 minutes. You've had like my jaw on the ground. It's been a uh, a wild and wacky ride, man. And you, you know, my life has not do. been my my life has not been you know written scripted. It's just the things that happen. You know, doing. Listen, I do fear with Frank Stallone. Okay, fine. Then uh, they're opening up Planet Hollywood in Vegas in '96. So it's years later, and Frank and I are still in touch, and we see each other, whatever. And he calls me up, and he's like, "Dude." You want to come to Planet Hollywood opening in Vegas? Uh, okay. You know, do you want to ask me if I want to have a slice of pizza? Absolutely, of course. <laughs> so I go, 
there's a hotel room at Caesars for me. You know, I walked in. I said, how you doing? My name is Scott Schwartz. I, you know, have a reservation. Oh, yes, Mr. Schwartz. You were the loan party. It's a pleasure to have you here. Blah, blah, whatever. And I end up walking the red carpet, you know, with, you know, slides in the front with, a, with somebody. And then there's somebody else. And then Frank and then me and, you know, everybody. And I'm sitting at the table and the VIP room with Sylvester Stallone. Rocky and Rambo is sitting across from me you know, <laughs> having dinner. You know, and, and sitting next to me was Gina Davis and Rennie Harlan. And the next table over is Schwarzenegger. Awesome. And the table over from that was uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Joe Theismann. And Steven Seagal is there. Jerry Parkanian is there. Marky Mark is there. Ricky Lake is there. Mark Wolberg, I should say. And Ricky Lake is there. And, and uh, uh, Linda Hamilton. It, just, it went on. And I'm, and I'm sitting there and I'm going, what in the hell am I doing here? You know, while I'm in the movies and you can call it famous and whatever being a celebrity and all that. I've always just been the same kid from Jersey. I was very lucky, a little bit of talent. It's more luck than anything else to be in movies and television. Um, a certain look, a certain type, whatever it is. You know, you can be the greatest actor on planet Earth, but if the person sitting across from you doesn't see it, you don't get a job. Oh, yeah. You know, and uh, never said anything, you know, to anybody. You know, how am I doing? You know, it's just things that you think about yourself going, wow, this is really cool. That is you know? really cool. The top of the people at that time. Oh, God. You know, I, I had actually, I had met Sly before that. I met him at the Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Donnie Lalonde fight in Vegas. And I had done a commercial with Sugar Ray. And we stayed friends, and he was a fan, and, you know, Ray Jr. was a fan even as a kid, you know. And uh, I stayed friendly with him. And all his comeback fight that he started, and then he fought, you know, uh, he fought Kevin Howard in the comeback fight. And then it was another guy, and it was Hearns, and then it was Tagler, and then it was Donnie Lalonde. I was there for all the fights in Vegas. And I met Stallone at, at uh, I might have met him at the Hagler fight. I can't remember. I think it was the Donnie. It might have been the Hagler fight. There was a Miller Lite party afterwards, and we ended up there. And there's Frank, and I walked over. It's not like, oh my God, this is alone. I got to run over. No, I was like, hey, there's Frank. <laughs> so I went over. I'm BSing with Frank, and I mean, I've got a picture of me, him, and Sly from that night. Yeah, which is just cool. It's like you know, you you're hanging out with with the people that you love. Yeah, you, know, you don't know. You don't necessarily know everybody, but you love them because you see them on TV or you see them in the movies or whatever it is, and you're a fan. So I was fanboy, but that was okay because I was cool and I was kind of one of them. I'm in the movies, and it's okay and it's all good. Um, but everybody is a fan of somebody. You know, I've met many, many celebrities over the years, and even you know, an A-lister, Mister Rogers himself, not Mister Rogers, but Tom Hanks. Yeah. I've actually, I, I had an extremely short conversation with on the phone because a friend, uh, somebody that works with him, I knew, and he was going to sign a Forrest Gump poster for me. You know, my friend was going to get Tom to sign it for me. And he told Tom who I was and that I had worked with Leeson and the toy and the Leeson's last movie was with Tom Hanks, Nothing in Common. That's the name of the film. It's just, they play father and son and I play father and son with Leeson as well. Yeah. So I get a phone call and my, my buddy calls me up. He's like, oh, it's good, Scott. He picked up the phone. Hang on a sec. And I hear, Scott. I go, yes, Tom Hanks. How are you? He goes, you spell your last name S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z? 
I said, yeah, that's perfect. He says, okay, thanks. Click. And he hung up the phone. That was the other <laughs> conversation. That's Two days it. later, my buddy calls me up. Hey, I'm free. Come over. I'll give you your poster. I said, okay. So Tom signed my poster to Scotty Schwartz. You are a legend, Tom Hanks. Oh, man. That he, is awesome. He, he, him and Rita and their, and their kids. Christmas story fanatic. Go figure. Well, you said it's like 50 million people that watch that movie. So there's a lot of one. There's a lot of people out there. Stephanie McMahon, Tom Hanks, Rita Wilson. So there's a lot out there, yeah. man. You know, I actually got to, and I got to meet Rita. She was dining at a little coffee cafe down the street from me. And somebody said, oh, Rita Wilson's sitting at the corner. And I went, seriously? They're like, yeah. I said, okay. And I walked down the street and she was there by herself, just having a cup of coffee and just finishing up. And I walked over and I said, hi, Rita. I'm, I'm Scotty Schwartz. I was in, you know, Christmas Story. I spoke to your husband, you know. Oh, yeah, Tom told me. Oh, my God, you're so wonderful. Thank you so much. Da, 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 da. It's Rita Wilson. It's like, oh, my God, this is so cool, you know. And she was yeah. very nice and very gracious and gave me a hug goodbye, you know. It was, it was great. Man. We're all, a, we're all a fan of somebody. I don't care who you are on planet Earth. You could be the number one actor on the planet or a musician or a sports personality, you watch television. You know, Shaquille O'Neal, I've known since his rookie season. You know, so many guys, Anthony Hardaway and David Robinson, they were all a fan. You know, Eric Murdoch, he ends up making the end. I have to say that for Eric Murdoch, went to, who I went to middle school and high school with, ended up in the NBA oh, yeah. for 10 or, 11, 10 or 11 seasons. He was the number one guy at Providence College for, you know, his time there set records and all kinds of stuff um, gets drafted in the first round of the NBA. And it's great. Cause I, cause I, I told everybody he was playing for uh, uh, Utah and we're sitting, having lunch here in, in LA at the Ritz Carlton. And where he and I are sitting there and John Stockton and Carl Malone are sitting a few tables away, you know, each or whatever. And they came over and Eric's like, Oh, this is my buddy. Scotty. How you doing? Nice to meet you. You seen the toy with Richard Pratt? That's Scotty. Oh my God. Well, this and that. And I said, Yeah. I said, If not for me, Eric wouldn't have graduated high school because he cheated off my paper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's awesome. You know, and so, I mean, they, they're all fans. You know, I, I, you know, I run at the Stockton and them, and, you know, throughout the years, even though, you know, Eric was long gone and whatever. And one of my friends was having a birthday, and I went over to Stockton, who was not an autograph guy. Did not sign many autographs back then. And I said, John, I have a special favor. He said, what do you need? I said, a really good friend of mine, you know, he's turning 20 or 21. You know, he grew up in Salt Lake City, diehard fan, blah, blah, blah. He goes, uh, you got his number? I said, yeah, call him on the phone. So I called my friend. John gets on the phone. Dennis, John Stockton, I just want to wish you a happy 21st birthday. I got a basketball here I'm signing for you for Scott, he's going to give it to you. You know, those guys, you know, they don't always do that kind of thing. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of the guys that I, that I ran with and hung with, you know, Glenn Robinson, Jim Baker, you know, Wayman Tisdale, God rest his soul. Um, you know, I had, I had a blasty shack. I still see once in a while. And it's like, you know, we don't miss a beat. Just, he's a, she is just a cool dude. That is awesome. You need to write a book. Do you have a book written uh, already it, or it, no? It should, it, should be, it should be out next September. 
It's done. Oh, it just cleared. Sweet. It just cleared legal. Now we're doing some photo approvals, and here we go. All right. Well, that'll definitely that'll definitely be on the list for me to read. And uh, Scott, this has been great, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Not a problem at all. It's been fun, man. Yeah, and I'll keep tabs on you because I'll I'll go to I can't go to the one that's in December, but I definitely the next time you're in Jersey at one of these shows, I'll definitely go. Well, come to Chiller Theater at the end of April. Uh, I'm there. Even if you don't see me on the guest list that you know they advertise so and so is going to be signing or whatever, I haven't missed a Chiller Theater in 23 years. You got it. So man. I know well, every April, every April, every October. I'll be there. It'd be nice to meet you, man. This has been great. Thanks so much. You got it. Have a good one and happy holidays. All right. So that was Scotty Schwartz. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays from everyone here at The Good, The Bat, and The Sequel, Jamie and myself. And this Friday, we're going to be releasing our review of a Christmas film, Die Hard 2, with Bruce Willis, William Sadler, William Atherton, ton of people. Don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast, follow us on all social media at Sequels Only. Good night.